Hey, Liam. Yes. I have a movie pitch for you. Let's hear it. I want to remake Apocalypse Now. Okay. Mm-hmm. But with King Kong. Ooh, uh, I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes, the show where we take mediocre movies and punch them up like the mighty fists of Kong himself. <laughs> uh, I Have Some Notes is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Uh, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. And we are going to uh, uh, journey into uncharted territories through the storms that uh, block the view of, of uh, ancient worlds long untouched. And uh, see if we can uh, uh, get our meddling human fingers into the world of Kong Skull Island. (laughs) I want to start out by saying, right off the cuff, Greg was mortified when Liam pitched this as one of the, the first two movies for his joining us as host. And was just like, no, this is a terrible movie. It was absolutely the worst. And I legitimately was like, have you mistaken it for the Jack Black one? And he was like, no. Is not the Jack Black one. It is the other one. It's terrible. So I, my expectation was set very low. I had not seen it before. And I watched it and was like, this movie is not that bad. Like, I'm kind of enjoying it. I believe I then said, you're a monster worse than Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then had to walk that back a bit when yeah. later on he was like, uh, rewatching it, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to get to this right off the top because I was uh, uh, so charmed by this particular turn of events that it just, it made me laugh. We were trying to discuss what films we were going to do. uh, And I was like, yo, let's keep it easy. Something that's on Netflix, Kong Skull Island, I know is uh, a prime to be uh, notified. uh, And and it's on Netflix. We can all watch it. I've been meaning to watch it. Let's do it. And And we were uh, like, okay. Okay. And so Monday of the week that we're recording this, I sat down and I watched Kong Skull Island on Netflix. And I added it to my list, my little my list of Netflix movies. And then what happened on Tuesday, guys? Uh, Tuesday, <laughs> Greg sent us a message being like, are you sure it's on Netflix? Uh, and it was gone. It was uh, Monday you could have watched it on Netflix. Tuesday you cannot. <laughs> in, in this, I had watched it and then the next day it was gone forever. <laughs> like a beautiful lady. Yeah. <laughs> it was ripped from our grasp. <laughs> <laughs> just what are the chances <laughs> so uh, a few playstation rentals later and uh, we were all caught up on kong skull island uh ready so to, if you uh, could donate to our patreon <laughs> it would really help us out also it, it i gotta us, set up a pre- patreon <laughs> yeah it, uh, it keeps us in movie rentals yeah uh but this uh this film uh was uh i uh directed by uh Jordan Vote Roberts, uh, whose other film, uh, and really other film, like period, plural, no plural, oh, no. <laughs> he, he doesn't have much, uh, was a, uh, a flick called Kings of Summer, which uh, was like a coming of age boyhood movie with Nick Offerman. Okay. Uh, and hmm. then uh, I actually heard him on a podcast where he's like, well, it's how Hollywood is now. You do a really cool indie movie that gets some credit, and they hand you a Kong movie. And they um, hand you a major franchise. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your Star Wars. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to think if maybe everyone, maybe maybe uh, uh, Mr. Vote Roberts uh, should stick to, to charming, uh, independent, coming-of-age summer movies. At the, ver- at the very least, they should give them, like, a middle-of-the-road movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, upgrade them to, like... Start them on, a, like, a road like, trip comedy or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you need to go into a franchise, give them maybe a G.I. Joe. Yeah, or, or like... Or a Start your Starskis and Hutches or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A property that's known, but nobody really cares that much about if yeah. it bombs. Uh, it starred uh, just half the Avengers uh, <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, Brie Larson. Uh, as well as uh, John Goodman, uh, Toby. Which Kevel. Avenger is John Goodman? I, I, I said is the he, Avengers. Is he, and then is I he Thanos? Yeah, uh, no, John uh, John Goodman's Mole Man from the uh, Fantastic Four. No, um, yeah, Tom Hiddleston, Sam Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson, uh, Jian Tang, Toby Kebbell, uh, and of course, uh, most notably with the uh, the sort of there's always the the top building is the star, but then like the last one, you're like, oh, cool, like yeah. with John C. Riley, who uh, is very good, exceptionally, yeah. 
Um, actually, I, I some of my notes might have been I wanted more, more less dumb things for him to do. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that uh, shortly. The uh, box office take for this flick, uh, they ended up making five hundred and sixty six million dollars. Not uh, too bad. Not too bad, especially on a budget of one hundred and eighty five. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I, that should dwarf the advertising budget. I guess so. Yeah. It probably made money. I believe it did. Uh, again, the advertising budget was uh, uh, about double that. I read like 130. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the the Godzilla it. versus Kong movie is go right. Yeah. Like that's happening. It right. wouldn't be happening if Kong hadn't made bank. Exactly. And, or probably even the, the King of the Monsters Godzilla movie that we've had in between the two. Yeah. Also yeah. true. Did that King of the Monsters movie make bank? I didn't it really did, pay it attention. It did okay for itself. Yeah. I'm sure it should be. It's uh, According to everything I've read, uh, the 2020 film uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is uh, good to go. The second King Kong vs. Godzilla movie, because mm-hmm. there is a classic Toho. Is there any well. crossovers with the stars in that movie, or we do not know who is uh, going to be looked, in it? I didn't write down the one, but uh, in all of these movies, there's one character, apparently, who is in all three films. Um, otherwise, they're they're fairly separate. I don't know if the stars will will. I, I see what you're, I, I misunderstood. Well, it would question. be it would be hard for these characters to appear in Kong versus Godzilla if only because they are from the yeah, s- yeah, yeah. 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd yeah. be much much older come the time that Kong and Godzilla are fighting. Yeah, I was just wondering which character from Godzilla appeared in Kong. Um, I can uh, I can go look it up, but it was it would have been some sort of uh, uh, like very mon- minor monarch lab, monarch yeah lab, yeah yeah lab guy gotcha gotcha um, it was it was on there's a whole block of lists of all the people in Godzilla a whole block of list all the people in Kong and then one name where it was in all three and it was like <laughs> for, you know it's for some nerd to go through and be like hey, yeah, yeah, there's, the, there's the through <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, because it is uh, it is part of the monster verse. Uh, it yes. exists in the same canon as the Godzilla movies, uh, and is a part you know the sequel of four Godzilla versus Kong is planned for 2020. I will be honest, I did not know that going into this. Oh. Because uh, I didn't see either of the Godzilla movies because they looked uh, dumb. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we did the first of we the did. Godzilla movies for our show, and it was it was okay. Yeah. yeah I, think there was, I think there was a lot to appreciate in the attempt. Um, um, uh, the execution maybe wasn't as tight as it, as it could have been. Um. You know, I, I I think I was I was intrigued to see more um, when the when the reviews started to roll in for um, King of Monsters. I was I was less intrigued, but I'll probably go. I'll probably watch it once it comes oh, yeah. to video. Um, so yeah, I guess this is kind of like a, a mildly successful universe. It's mm-hmm. probably it's certainly more successful than the Dark Universe or the uh, DC universe, yeah. <laughs> well, which is well, kind of now just not really a thing yeah i mean the the dc universe despite the fact that it's not uh, like it is a critical flop almost universally except for like wonder woman and aquaman a little bit but as uh as as far as the money it rakes in it's generally doing okay doing i think fine. yeah but i mean not marvel money obviously, transformers but- makes bank that doesn't make it good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Uh, speaking of doesn't make it good, it got 75% on Rotten Tomatoes and maintains a 6.6 on IMDb. So pretty moderate response to this. Yeah, I think a lot I, of people I think that's like, a fair yeah. percentage for it. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's 70% seems high to me, but I would I would have it like 60, yeah. 55. I yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it went through all sorts of script rewrites, apparently. Uh, they, they tried to set it during present day with the crash landing happening during the Vietnam War. Then right. they changed it to be World War II crash into Vietnam and back to present day. It bounced around a whole bunch. I feel like in those rewrites, they forgot about char- the characters <laughs> <laughs> because the characters are fairly flaccid and empty. Yeah, they're very broad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, was uh, delighted to learn that the the villainous creatures known as the skull crawlers uh, or whatever you you want to call them the two-legged lizard guys are a direct reference to creatures that appeared in the 1933 king kong movie there are two-legged long-tailed beak-nosed lizards uh that that appear in the the 33 flick there you go um so i thought that was kind of cool uh as well they took a lot of inspiration of the the bipedal design of kong himself because if you think like the the peter jackson kong yeah he looks man in a suitish yeah um this this kong definitely is just like a guy walking around an island just like although i I suppose the original kong was not man in a suit he was he was um stop stop motion motion? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he would have been ray harryhausen stop motion Mm -hmm. animation wouldn't it i i don't know for sure but i would be very surprised if it was not uh, a Harryhausen uh, operation. And I would be super embarrassed if it wasn't. Yes. Having just said that with such 
with such assuredness. And I backed you up right away. I mean, but I mean, we're we're uh, uh, giving notes to famous movies. If we can't talk with brazen self-assured hubris, now, <laughs> now you're gonna go double check. Fair enough. Uh, uh, the movie features actually weirdly uh, the tall. This is just a detail I thought was hilarious. The tallest incarnation of Kong in an American movie. Uh, he was 104 feet uh, tall in this flick. Peter Jackson's Kong, by comparison, was only 25 feet. Does that imply that, uh, because you said American movie, does that imply that there's a foreign Kong movie where it's um, even larger? Possibly. Uh, the t- actually, here's the answer to that. The tallest incarnation of Kong overall was featured in King Kong vs. Godzilla from 1962. Yeah, because he would, yeah, he would have to be bigger yeah. in order to fight yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And I like that they drop the, the tidbit in this movie that, oh, Kong's still a juvenile. He's yes. going to get bigger. So right. that they can justify him being Godzilla-sized to fight Godzilla. Ray Harryhausen did not work on King Kong 1933, but it was what inspired him to do stop motion animation well there you go uh my apologies i just assumed because if you're talking about stop motion ray harryhausen's a pretty safe bet and uh apparently they uh, premiered this film in vietnam uh which because uh, it took place fairly like like geographically close uh, uh to uh vietnam uh because set after the vietnam war so they did the premiere in Vietnam. They erected a 16-foot-tall display model of Kong, which at some point uh, was accidentally engulfed in flame, <laughs> caused by model volcanoes surrounding the statue. The fire was extinguished and no one was hurt, but uh, apparently at the premiere, a giant Kong statue caught on fire. That's weirdly appropriate, yeah. considering the content of the film. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a spectacle in this film, and the trailer, uh, I think, uh, captures that quite nicely. Question mark? These are photos of an island in the South Pacific. The place where myth and science meet. We use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. They're dropping bombs. Mm. Scientific instruments. Is that a monkey? Magnificent. You knew that thing was out here? I'm sorry for your man, Colonel. But if you want to make their sacrifice worthwhile, hit us home with proof. Monsters exist. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your friend there can put that down. What the hell is this place? That's calm. He's king around here. Kong's pretty good, King. Keeps to himself mostly. Well, you don't go into someone's house and start dropping bombs unless you're picking a fight. By the end of the Vietnam War, the United States is flinging satellites into space like hotcakes. One of these hotcakes spots an unexplored island shaped eerily like a skull, prompting a washed-up monster chaser named Bill Randa to lobby his government to undertake a dangerous expedition to prove monsters really exist. Randa and his ragtag organization of hollow earthers recruit a tracker, a photojournalist, and Samuel L. Jackson to recklessly drop bombs on the last pristine, unspoiled chunk of land on Earth. Unfortunately for them, the island is inhabited by an enormous ape who doesn't take too kindly to environmental delinquents. King Kong and his mighty paws reduce, reuse, and recycle the team's helicopters, leaving them stranded on an island full of monsters and their own hubris. Now, Man must come to terms with the awesome power of nature in order to escape the deadly Skull Island. I, I yes, like we said earlier, I, I, feel, I feel almost as if I owe Kong Skull Island somewhat of an apology. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I remember it very poorly. And, I, and, and weirdly, I seem to, rem- I, 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 before we watched it again, I remembered the special effects being terrible. And they were not. They were actually quite good, and actually probably the the standout yes. of the film. I think uh, I think it actually helps drive the movie and keeps you entertained while the characters are doing almost nothing and and boring you to tears. All right, uh, if it wasn't for some of the uh, incredible action sequences and and really uh, some of the amazing just single frames that you can pull out of this film that just look incredible, yeah, um, I feel like this uh, movie would be a complete zero for me. But uh, but because it uh, it manages to uh, to drive the action so well, it gets uh, it gets bumped up quite a bit. I mean, it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot is 
fairly straightforward, um, but it holds together. Like there's, I don't think there's any real plot holes. Um, the characters are pretty broad, but their through lines are very um, logical and straightforward. Like there's nobody who acts out of character yeah. at any point in the movie. And uh, some of the characters actually have very strong motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, I thought, was probably the best sketched of the bunch. And maybe that's because he's the villain. And so he needs to be, he needs to have the most kind of robust character. But um, I, I have no problems with any characters acting out of character. Um, visually, as Greg mentioned, it, it looks, it holds up really well the way it looks. Yep. Um, like it's, it's, very competently put together movie. Like yeah. I don't really have any any big nitpicks when it comes to how the movie was crafted. I guess would be the best way to put it. It could have been crafted better, yeah. but it wasn't crafted poorly. If that makes sense. Yeah. But it's also I think it falls into the sort of the tropey cliche of the like set piece and monster parade. Like every here's a set piece and a new monster, and it was, you're just sort of hopping from one interaction yeah, to the fair. next. Which so it's I, not even necessarily a criticism, but just like sort of a hard hard model to screw up I think um, and and I even think I personally think there are points where they screw they, they, they screwed it up by overcomplicating it and could have could have done this with a little any of its faults could have been perhaps mitigated by uh, uh, just keeping it on track um, one thing that I super liked early mm-hmm. on in the movie um, was when they first get to the island and they, they have the, the shots of the helicopters sweeping in over this beautiful, like the welcome to Jurassic Park moment. And they're like, we're going to set up camp over there. And then the humans just immediately start wrecking everything. Like gleefully with blasty ass music in the background. They're dropping bombs. Even the scientists. Doing science. Are like, these are science bombs. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. And it's, I was just like, wow, that is that that whole sequence was composed so well and it told its own little story so interestingly and i just i really loved it and that of the entire movie that's the the scene that still sticks in my mind the most is just like the guy with like the mirror shades and the explosions yeah. are reflecting <laughs> in them like oh it's so good and it was so uh, it was it was very apocalypse now yeah like this weird vietnam era like we're having fun at war. Woo. Cause we don't care sort of attitude. It was. And then of course Kong shows up and wrecks everything. Yeah. Cause nature just immediately retaliates yeah. to man's hubris. And it was, it was just, mm, wow. Perfect. You I loved it. even just right now, you might've changed my mind on that scene. Cause I actually, I, I, I had some beefs with that. Really? I thought it was, I thought it was striking. I quite liked it. I thought there were, um, I, I, I thought the, the bombing was abrupt yes that's and, sort of my feeling and, just show up and start blowing stuff up yeah Woo! and it was like it's <laughs> it was a it was a it was an interest it was a weird choice i think to make that they were gonna just drop bombs to to measure i like they kind of explain it afterwards that they're that they're looking for the earth to be hollow yeah no they, they kind of set it up before that they're dropping charges they, to, they do say that they don't they don't necessarily tests. say why they're doing that i guess well no because if they said we're checking to see if there's if the hollow earth theory is correct <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah the scientists in the room would be like and we're done <laughs> good day. I guess yeah and you get the line from the soldier guy being like oh you hear that we're scientists now when he shows them the science bombs the soldiers get to drop like yeah and then and then mark evan jackson gives a snarky reply yeah oh yeah. mark evan jackson <laughs> Like it just it does I I mean it does play into the theme of of hum- hubris of man kind of thing where they're just like going in and just like woo we're gonna drop bombs we yeah um and I think that all could have worked a little bit better had the had the the characters surrounding all of that been stronger and their and their motivations and and things like that a little further fleshed out and perhaps even if there was more if there was extra conflict if, if someone was like hey do we really want to drop bombs yeah. on, on a strange I mean, that's, place that's kind of hinted at with brie larson and tom hiddleston but they don't they don't go deep enough into that no no um and i mean maybe that's tiptoeing into changes but well, uh well let's yeah. uh let's maybe uh establish what we want to keep for jerseys then well obviously i just said that i want to keep that whole scene of them arriving yeah. at the island I don't disagree that it's it's a it's a decent scene. Um, I I think uh, I like 
um, John Goodman's character, and I actually kind of wish that there was mm, uh, more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of after they land on the on the island, he kind of disappears. Yeah, and he he kind of gets this. Um, he gets a, a kind of a cool death, but it's it's kind of flat because you've forgot about him for so yeah, long that maybe. it just doesn't it just doesn't have the impact that you well, feel like it should. I do like the twist, the like kind of pseudo twist where it turns out his motivation to find monsters is because he also wants to kill monsters mm-hmm. and he's physic he's uh sorry ph- philosophically aligned with samuel L. jackson in that yeah. sense yeah um i would de- like the movie doesn't work without samuel L. jackson and no. his and his character not as written no yeah it needs well, not as yeah. yeah i again I, I have i have thoughts on on his motivations but. uh i think his motivation is pretty solid like mm-hmm. he uh of all the characters i think he's the one who's the best fleshed out uh, the idea that he's uh, he's a, a career soldier whose war just got pulled out from underneath him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a theme they kind of hit on throughout the movie that he goes looking for a new war and then ends up getting destroyed by it because yeah. that's what happens when you go looking for an enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he, like, he jumps on the opportunity to go on this last mission despite the fact that all of his men are like, we don't want to go on this mission. Yeah. Uh, he, like, immediately pegs Kong as, like, something he needs to kill because it hurt his men. And he, nothing's going to deter him from that. Not logic, not reason, because he's decided that's the enemy and he's going to kill it. Like, that logic flowed very naturally from that character. And I thought that was great. Yeah. 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 I, if the movie was more of a, of a character study on him, I think it would be a much more fascinating film. I think, and again, we're tiptoeing into changes, but <laughs> I think that if if you better fleshed out John Goodman's character and you better fleshed out, in particular, Tom Hiddleston's character, and you had those three mm-hmm. kind of pitted against one another, uh, that, w- that would make for an interesting kind of character development. Yeah. Because... All three of them are people who have similar philosophies in a way because uh, Samuel Jackson's the soldier who's looking for a war. Tom Hiddleston is the soldier who never came back from war. And John Goodman is the soldier who was scarred by war. Mm-hmm. And so you can even get John C. Riley in there because he's also been touched by war. He yeah. was lost in war. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you, you end up with this interesting, like, this interesting web of characters who all have similar motivations but are finding different paths out of it. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, I like I that like a lot. That. I do think they make a, the three of them make a nice sort of uh, tripod of, of motivations and characters. But I, one of the things I would keep, and uh, a lot of the criticism I read online was saying that their cast is too big and that nobody gets any time to be developed or anything. Uh, I liked that there were lots of broad human characters that you kind of don't care about on account of you, they don't get enough screen time. Like, I think that is a fair criticism. But I find, like, like we, la- one of the last times I was on the podcast uh, before as a host, we did uh, Congo. Uh, yep. And uh, that was a very similar story, but a very tighter party. Like, there's only four or five people going into that jungle. And I don't give a shit about any of those characters. Yeah, so sure. I'm like, why don't I, I like, I don't know, I find a lot of these sort of survival, monster, jungly kind of movies your anacondas, what have you, I really, I don't, it tries, you might, I don't truly care about the characters. If I want a, a character drama, I'll watch Lady Bird. Like, uh, and, like <laughs> uh, and so the fact that there was lots and lots of broadly painted characters who mixed and matched in different groups, I thought that was one of the things that I, I quite liked about it and was that's, totally... And that's fair. Yeah. I did like the fact that the expedition was big. It yes. felt big. It, and, and you got two parties. You got um, dramatic irony of one party learning something while the other one doesn't and vice versa. Yeah, one party is having a terrible time and it's hardening them more to want to just kill everything. Yeah. And the other party is learning, oh, not everything on this island is so bad. And th- there is kind of like a like a beautiful, natural Ecology society that's, yeah. that's grown up here. And then having them meet in the middle and both realize, oh, you're not on our side anymore. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I actually kind of thought, just, sorry, before you get into it, Greg, I kind of thought that the major was going to be pitted in the middle, and then he got eaten by a lizard. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the the characters need to be developed in the same way that characters are developed in like a slasher flick, right? Like the like this movie needs ape fodder. It needs people to die, but it also it, it's also more fun when it's when it's satisfying to see them 
die in in various interesting ways and and you either feel for them or you're glad they're dead or or whatever like in a, in a slasher flick they would do cheap things like you know the 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 boyfriend who's a jerk will get will get stabbed like crazy well or something being like that. a jerk yeah yeah exactly the, the slutty you one know. gets stabbed while she's being slutty and yeah it's yeah. Like, and yeah and it's the same thing here like the, there's there's a the the guy from uh agent carter like at the end of the near the end of the movie he tries to um sacrifice himself to save everybody else oh, right oh, and then yeah. he gets and then he gets crushed by the the big giant tripod monster yeah, thing he means to get eaten to blow it up and then and it then just swats him out of the way yeah, that was yeah. a great scene and i think like that would that would have been much more satisfying i think if if his character had like a very quick motivation or or if he or, or if we if, if we knew him better to be that guy who would who would sacrifice or or perhaps he's like he's 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 a naive person and he thinks that he's going to be he he, he thinks he he's doing the right thing and and, and, he, and he believes that he's that he that in doing something stupid he's going to be able to uh save everyone and then they get swatted like an idiot because he is an idiot yeah. that kind of thing just like very simple things like that it doesn't need to be complex character yeah. development but it does need to be satisfying give when somebody hat. dies like give everyone <laughs> yeah, yeah, their, yeah. like exactly yeah yeah Cabin in the Woods style. Like, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, the tropes. Yeah. Tro- yeah. Fill, fill it with a bunch of tropes and then the tropes die. I think mm-hmm. I think that there still needs to be a very obvious protagonist and antagonist amongst the humans. And I'm okay with them having a little more nuance. And I, Absolutely. I, I've pegged them as being Tom Hiddleston, leader of Party A, and Samuel L. Jackson, leader of Party B. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with everyone else being like progressively broader. Like yeah. the the B characters being a little broader, mm-hmm. and then the cannon fodder being very broad. I'm okay with that. Uh, I also quite like that it had a, a ticking clock mentality. I find a lot of yeah, these there were stakes because sta- yeah. they they had a window to get off the island. Like a lot of these are just like survive, find, and 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 a lot of the problems that befall characters in these types of movies tend to be like we found the radio, but it's broken. But if we get to the top of that radio tower, we can signal for and and they're all sort of. Um, the obstacles tend to be more uh, getting off the island, and this is was like there's no they can leave pretty much anytime they want if they can physically get there between them and all the monsters, yeah. which I and, and in a certain amount of time, which I quite gave it a certain urgency that I think uh, kept things moving along nicely, uh, and it gave it that apocalypse now feel of like they got to go up the river to something very yeah. specific, yeah, that's waiting for them, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I like that John C. Riley gets a happy ending. Yes. That was deserved, I feel, after spending 20 years trapped on the island. It's a little uh, weird the way... <laughs> who's who's filming him? I mean, I it's like of, an 8 mil, I, it's an eight of, mil camera. Kind of like, implied maybe that uh, Brie Larson's character is? Yeah, I I or, or I, that did not cross my mind. In fact, I actually like that, that that all happened during the credits. Because that's one of those things where... I'm like, oh, I like that he gets a happy ending, but I also, like, if I was in the movie, if I saw this in theaters, I'd be like, I have to pee at this point. Can you just wrap this up? And so the fact that that happens during credits, I'm like, good, you tell us the information we need, but also you're allowed to leave now. <laughs> no, it was, it, well, it's its own little mini story after the yeah. end, and that's fine. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that he got a happy ending. Yep. Um, his his wife waited for him for what was it 50 years no 20, 20 years. years yeah i don't know that she necessarily <laughs> when, did, when did vietnam i don't know that she necessarily <laughs> waited for him but certainly just never remarried yeah it certainly implied yeah, sure yeah um well those are the things we'd keep uh like a like a propeller to your shoulder blade anything we'd cut anything uh anything you would just nix right out of this like king kong no yeah <laughs> uh, um actually a little, a little he was probably the least interesting of the monsters uh <laughs> You know, I, I I I liked the villagers. I liked the look of them, and I liked the look of their little city, and I and I I really loved um, that little temple they had with mm-hmm. the with the poles that had like the paintings, and depending on where you were, you would see the, yeah. the painting come uh, into into view. Um, but they're, I, you know. They, there's not too much of a purpose for them, so I don't know if yeah, they if re- they necessarily need to be in the film. I disagree, kind of. Um, the purpose for them in the movie is to sell to Party A that Kong is actually a protector. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it has to be 
I feel like it kind of almost has to be more than just he's protecting the island because then why do the humans care? Yeah. But he's also protecting these humans. And so that, that gives, uh, that gives the viewer and that gives the characters in party a, a little more of an empathetic link to that. Oh, he's willing to protect humans as well. If the humans aren't jerks. Yeah. So it makes a lot more sense when he protects Brie Larson at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he, he's capable of liking people, just not people who are dropping bombs on his friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Little antelope things. It, it antelopes was, are fucking cool. Like mm-hmm. those looked great. Sorry, <laughs> go oh, ahead. No, I was just gonna say that that sort of sanctuary city where the humans are. I, I think you're correct. They do they do add a certain uh, um, human emotional uh, empathy opportunity. But it did it had a bit of a like Hawkeye's house feel where they just like fucked off to safety and and got to like just sit and like lick their wounds and talk about what they're gonna do next, even though there was this severe urgency. Like, I forget which Avengers movie it is, but, but you know what I mean by Hawkeye's house? Like, yeah. They, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah, I, yeah. I like that that's contrasted with, and it works in this movie because it's contrasted with yeah. Party B, who are just having the worst time in the yeah. wild. Like, it seems like every day they're losing someone to some new giant terror. Yeah. They're on edge. They're being led by crazy people. And it contrasts with Party A, who actually have a moment to sit down and relax and take in the beauty of the island and see that people can live and thrive there and learn about Kong's history so that when they meet up again, they, they have that conflict. Yeah, I think you've convinced me that it's, uh, it's important. Yeah. They, they serve a purpose, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's fair. I, uh, I'm gonna, this might be controversial, but one of, one of the things I, I would cut, I personally, it felt contrived. You are correct. Samuel Jackson's character is the most fleshed out, and his motivations make sense. They are completely reasonable motivations for a character to have and want to act on. Um, and I guess because he's a villain, but the fact that he forces everyone to go along with him under false pretenses, under I'm your boss, do it, whatever, I I felt it was an unnecessary additional obstacle of having to, like, follow this like murderous madman like they have to follow him and go with him and and i i'm like i, I would have loved to have seen him try to go off by himself or try to convince the party for a while but I, I i just really wanted them to try to get from point a to point b without taking a giant spider leg to the throat um then yeah i like it i like that there's this element in it where Samuel Jackson is he's he's their commander. Yeah. He's been their commander for a long time. They trust him, they're loyal to him, and that's established early on. Um and he he comes unhinged as he's on the island. Yeah. And you can tell that the people who are with him, that his soldiers and even poor Mark Evan Jackson, are like they can tell he's like oh no like this is not good he's going off the deep end but they're not in a position where they can do anything about it until until the climactic moment where one of them finally is like we've gone too far and i'm turning my gun on you now and then you'll note the rest of them all quickly fall in line they're like no it just took one of them to make the move sure and so that tracks to me that they'd follow him like to the gate to the mouth of hell itself yeah and only then finally pull back. So there's a line early in the film I quite liked where the uh, the grenade, I forget the character or the actor's name, but the guy who tries to get eaten yeah. while holding grenades and gets slapped, he's sitting there and he's eating after they got downed by all their, all their helicopters are down and he's eating. And he goes, how do you have an opportunity? He's like, I don't know. We did the best we could. There was no tactical precedent, so we tried our best. Um, there's no tactical precedent for uh, fighting Kong. Uh, all of their uh, shit is down. They're, they have no their only escape is this um, uh, refueling thing and so that's what I'm saying is like he can want to kill Kong all he wants but the fact that everybody acknowledges they're in uncharted territory quite literally like they've never and, and he labels Kong as a villain for his own reasons and they just they follow him because command I just I really I I, I don't understand. I understand, but I don't understand why everyone There's tried a, to follow him. I think it, him. it gets like, e- it gets even worse when um, they get to like the the Bones graveyard, and and then Tom Hiddleston and everyone else starts following yeah. him around for no reason. Like that, 
that that makes it that much tougher to buy into, yeah, especially, when it's, and, like, and yeah, especially when it's John C. Riley. Go through the toxic yeah, and it's John C. and it's John C. Riley, the character that's been in the island, who actually voices at one point like, "What do I know? I've only been here for yeah, twenty years, that's, right?" That's where and, I then, and that's and that's where, like that's where me as an audience man, member is like, "Yeah, like then don't maybe I don't know." One of the well, first of all, they they use the um, desire to hook back up with the major uh, as the main motivating point up until that point. And I can see Tom Hiddleston's character and his crew for that matter being like, okay, if there's a chance we can save one more guy, we're going to try to save him. Um, when they find out he's dead, that's that's where that's where things come to a head. And to be fair, at that point, Tom Hiddleston's like, we're not going to fight over this. I'm going to take the civilians. We're going to leave. You go do whatever you want. Yeah. And Samuel Jackson, even at that point, is still like, we're still going to make the rendezvous. We're just going to try to kill this thing first. Like, that's just, he's got his priorities skewed. But maybe, and we're tiptoeing into changes here, maybe there is something to be said about him really having a moment to impress upon the other soldiers, especially. Mm -hmm. And he kind of does, but maybe he could do it more Samuel L. Jackson-y. Like, we are going to avenge our fallen brothers. Yeah, he needs a good monologue. Yeah, a good like villain monologue. Like he had going through the, the storm. Yeah. Like where, if he could sell them on like, no, we're, we've done this before. We've been yeah. behind enemy lines before. Yeah. We've, yeah. You know. And we are going to avenge our fallen and then we're going, we're not going to, we're not going to cut and run like we just did in Vietnam. Yeah. This is not going to be for nothing and we are going to make sure that that giant monster pays for what it's done before we cut, before yeah. we walk away from this. Yeah. Maybe he just needed a moment to do that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. He needed a good Samuel L. Jackson speech, and then he gets eaten by the shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Indeed. There's a Deep Blue Sea reference for anybody <laughs> keeping score. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just felt it sort of undermined the ticking clock, but I think that's a, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I think we've uh, really covered a, a lot of what we liked, uh, a lot of what we didn't, and we actually, even amongst ourselves, not unlike Party A and Party B, quite divided on uh, the exact uh, uh, goals this party should be trying to accomplish. But uh, That should make the next half very interesting. Uh, yeah, gonna... well, you guys gear up to go and kill this movie. I'm going to take these civilian listeners. <laughs> We're going to go and escape this yeah. island. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm John Goodman's motivation. Uh, we're going to be back after the break with, uh, with more. This episode has been brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund for yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on five topics. Women, sexual orientation and gender identity in Edmonton, visible minority women, and senior women. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. We are back from commercial breaks, getting into what we would fix or change or just plain rewrite about Kong Skull Island. Uh, Scott, you're looking contemplative. I feel like you've got to... Nope, I'm just contemplating. Just contemplating? I gotta say, Scott, I think you you ruined (laughs) one of my changes. Which was Uh, to cut the village. Well, no, um, um, it was to actually rewrite Samuel L. Jackson, but but you mentioned something that... uh, that I hadn't thought of and I should have thought of, which was that um, Sam Jackson's big motivation in this movie is that he left the Vietnam War unfinished and he was he was clearly going out to try and finish that war come hell or high water. Yeah. And and, and I had actually had a change where I rewrote his motivations where he was he was reluctant reluctant to go to war and did not want to spend any more time in a in a war, in a pointless expedition uh, and putting his men at risk, and I thought that that would create a good conflict between him and John Goodman, uh, because John Goodman is basically this person that's forcing him to be in this very dangerous place once again. So once again, the U.S. government is forcing him to be somewhere that he doesn't mm, want to be. I like but lot. I think I think you can flip that script a bit because Samuel Jackson's motivation is I'm I'm not walking away from this war. 
like I was just forced to walk away from the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Whereas John Goodman just wants proof the monsters are there. Yeah. Like he even says in the movie, like we just like we got what we came for, we can go and send for the cavalry. And Sam Jackson's like, I am the cavalry. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can just you can build up that a little bit more. Have John Goodman be start to be the voice of reason. Like, yeah, we want to kill these monsters. We're not gonna be able to do it right now. We need to leave now. Yeah. Uh, and him have the reluctance to press on, especially considering he was the sole survivor of that ship that got eaten by presumably Godzilla, strongly implied. Yeah. Um, so he has he has more motivation to not be the last man standing this time. Would it be more interesting to have John Goodman as part of uh, Group A that that goes and visits uh, John C. Riley? Because then I guess maybe you have a conflict between John Goodman. And John C. Riley, because John C. Riley knows that Kong is good, and uh, John Goodman's like, "No, Kong Mon- bad, monsters bad." Yeah. So then, when they come, when they end up meeting up with Samuel L. Jackson later, he's uh, John Goodman's had that turn. Returns to John Goodman, or, changed. or at John least Goodman is Sam Jackson changed. Yeah, or at least is uh, conflicted at that point. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and then and um, you know maybe in his death he he suddenly is at the point where he realizes that he was wrong about uh, about uh, Kong all along or whatever. And I think that's a better character trajectory for John Goodman's character, yeah. certainly. Yeah. I actually, I uh, one of my big changes. I want to take that and take it even one step farther because I it. loved the line, "I am the cavalry." And I almost wonder if this movie maybe would have worked better if the mission that we follow is not a research one, but of the cavalry. And it is either uh, uh, either you can take it out of the Vietnam War or have it be something people are doing post-Vietnam. doesn't matter. But where a whole armada are going to that island lock stock and ready to murder kong they did escape they did call the cavalry cavalry's here they get to skull island they beat kong only to find out kong is the only thing between them and the skull crawler things that could possibly even take over the earth mm-hmm. and then they've got to like and they realize it like almost about to final finishing blow kong realize they need him and they all switch to being pro Kong, save for a couple of hardcore lunatics who are like, "No, we came here to kill it. We kill it, and we'll kill them too." Um, and so you you make the you make the mission we follow the cavalry. My concern, my concern with that is two things. First of all, if they're going to rescue another expedition, then it really does become Congo at that point. <laughs> no, no, they're not even. Going, there, um, there was an expedition. They got out. They went. There's a giant monkey there, and they sent. When you're when you're telling a story, though, you want to show the interesting part of the story, and I'm already going. Well, the interesting part of the story is what happened to the previous expedition that got out. What happened to them that they had to call this armada? So I would still want to see that first. So I'm okay with having a sequel where a giant army shows up. I guess is where I'm going with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still want to see that first expedition. Yeah, I just, I, I just I, really liked the. Re- sorry, but I just I really liked the reveal of. Oh wait, no, Kong is the protector of these people from a bigger threat, and I thought that maybe could be. You felt you felt as a little flat in this movie because that that is that is how this plays out. But you want you want to you want that up, but up, up to eleven. Bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I can agree. I, I can agree with that. I, I agree with Scott. That this, I mean, this is a fair, that's a fairly big rewrite that you're proposing. Um, I, I agree with um, Scott that I, I feel like the expedition is the more interesting uh, plot, but also um, I, I one of my changes was to make Kong more of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, the the opening sequence in this movie when the two planes crash land on the island and um, and begin chasing each other, uh, the two pilots begin chasing each other, trying to kill each other, only to have Kong interrupt them. It's a really good sequence. It's nicely done. Um, the only part about it that I dislike is that we see all of Kong, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, we we know exactly that there is a big ape on this island, and. And even though we know that this movie's called Kong Skull Island, I still like the the, the mystery, the the lead up, the build up to yeah. seeing the giant ape. And I would have actually loved it if the first time we see Kong is like that silhouette shot of him against the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
So uh, uh, the one the one thing I wanted this is a very small change, but one thing I just wanted to change is like that in in that fight sequence, uh, the end of it is not the reveal of Kong. The end of it is that there is some sort of like massive kind of earthquakey thing, and, and they both look up. But uh, we yeah, don't see what they, they see. They, it drops them to their knees or whatever, and yeah, and then there's sh- some sort of shadow blots out the sun, and they're like, "What?" and then smash to you know the title right and it and and that would preserve some of the the more excitement when we get to that first uh kong meeting i think when uh when he destroys the helicopters you only get choppy shots of him you see bits and pieces yeah i think you don't get the you don't get the full shot that's even better because like if you get yeah if you get i actually thought like oh what if he was like what if he was in the storm with them like their their helicopters are being taken down in the storm and they have no idea why and then the the end of that sequence is is them um basically crash landing in the uh in on the island only for them to to look up into the into the horizon and see like a, a like a crazy big shape just like again blotting out the sun a little bit. I disagree with that because then we lose my awesome scene with the bombing. Yeah, and also <laughs> and also because Kong has no motivation to destroy them in the oh yeah in yeah, the right. in the thing. Yeah. His he he only comes he to needs retaliate. To be a protector. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and more than that. I feel there's more impact when Kong attacks them like in full daylight yeah. where they're at their strongest and destroys them. Yeah. Like it really, yeah. it really demonstrates the, the threat and the power that they're up against that nature is not messing around on this Island and they yeah. can have all their bombs and their Gatling guns and their helicopters. And it's not going to matter yeah. because King Kong is King on Skull Island. Yeah. I, uh, I I had the similar thought of of like revealing Kong in a slightly teasier manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, I could even say for the audience it was fine that we got a full full Kong shot in the first five minutes, um, but tease the characters with it a little more because the first thing they meet, and I don't know maybe what the fix is for this because I do like that that first like like you said the full broad daylight brawl with him, but like. What if the I wrote here like what if they revealed monsters in a different order where the first thing they meet is that spider, then they meet the benevolent bison, that they're like wow this thing's big the but log bug friendly maybe they meet a log bug whatever, uh, then Kong then the skull crawlers or even forget the order at all but just do the skull crawlers first, and then have you like well those things are scary but at least it's no match like. These are big, those are bigger, and then you find well, out it's like that's the bigger thing keeping these in check. That's kind of I mean, that's that's the original King Kong movie. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a Tyrannosaurus Rex and that gorilla just beat it up. Yeah. Well, crap. That gorilla is clearly the big deal. In this case, you kind of almost have to have Kong be the thing that initially threatens them, because then it really gives Packard the motivation to want to kill Kong. Yeah. If if it's a giant spider that attacks them first, then he's just like, I hate spiders now. Let's kill all the spiders. That's, that's it, fair. It really I did, has I to did be say it was, I did say I liked him as a motivation, not necessarily follow him illogically uh, in his motivation. I guess you're, that is correct. That's fair. Um, one of the things I would like to change is give us a little more with the characters. And I think that the way to do that is to give us a little more time with them before everything goes wrong on the island. And there's really only two spots that I can think of to do that. And one is uh, when they first arrive on the island, give them a little bit of time to like maybe set up a base. But then I feel like that ruins the flow of them not really getting a chance to get their bearings before everything goes wrong. Yeah. Or make the trip to the island a little longer. And I think that that maybe is the, the way to do it. I don't know that you need oh, to necessarily make the, the movie longer, but I think the boat ride giving us a little more time with the characters might've worked. Uh, especially with like Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston and, uh, follow like their suspicions of what's going on and maybe not agreeing with this. Give us a little more time with the scientists so that they're not just Mark Evan Jackson and the guy with the mustache. Yeah. Um, give us give us a little bit more time with maybe Packard and John Goodman. Give us a little more with them so that they are a little more fleshed out when they get to the island. I can see the validity in that, but I noticed that they went in. I actually looked at the time. They start flying into that storm 20 minutes into the movie. And I'm like, yes, like, cause all of these movies drag out that opening part. And maybe I'm just like cynical because I, like I said, I, I don't find I ever really connect to the characters in these kind of movies, even really good ones like, um, uh, annihilation. 
I found Annihilation. I'm like, get me to the place where the things happen now. I'm like, I'll learn about them on the way. Um, and so when I saw that they were flying into a storm fully geared 20 minutes into a two-hour movie, I was like, this it can't be all bad because at least most of this movie takes place on the I, island. I mean, the That's movie fair. the movie could be a lot more efficient with its uh, with its character development. I think I think um, there's there's probably some some wasted uh, time. Um, introducing uh for example um packard and the rest of them like we could just meet them on on the uh on the helicarrier rather than meeting them in vietnam although i suppose it's important to see them yeah at least packard being like yeah the the like getting the call being yeah i'm stoked for something to do yeah 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 Yeah. hmm i don't know where else i'd find efficiencies but maybe you know i i think uh, maybe de- if you delete a character somewhere, it might help. Like for example, if we de- <laughs> this is are you going to suggest we delete the only woman in the in the no, story? No, no, no. I was just like because Tom Hiddleston's ostensibly like the main character, yeah. even though he's not. Re- are you but about like, to delete the protagonist? I'm about to delete the protagonist. Uh, <laughs> There's plenty of other uh, other people to do that. Well, because I I actually think that um that the photojournalist character that Brie Larson is playing. Um, makes more sense in the context of this story because, as you were saying in the first half, Scott, we we have a whole bunch of military men or people touched by conflict in some way, and uh, and we have then we have a Brie Larson who can uh, ostensibly be um, the heart and the moral center of it. Rather than rather than having random tracker character who wield the sword for reasons i guess you know I, like this i think that she could she could end up being the moral center because she's not you know she's she's viewing war from a much more objective lens uh and she's literally great, and figuratively yeah and she's a great lens for your tripod of three heroes scarred by war four if you count john c Riley. like she is the she is the filter that we look at these three different victims of war yeah and it's and then the 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 you know her interaction with Kong makes a lot more sense because she's she's the she's the the character that's most sensitive to his his plight, right? And 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 Kong reciprocates that, right? Yeah, I really like Tom Hiddleston and I really like him in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of convincing me to drop, him, and, that, <laughs> and that makes me sad yes. actually, uh, because that's that's a solid argument, and it does like roll. Taking Tom Hiddleston's character and Brie Larson's character and turning them into Brie Larson's character kind of works, yeah. actually. Like, just make her a little more rugged Yep, and still a photojournalist, and it kind of works. I mean, she was embedded in Vietnam for for years. Like, she, she should be plenty rugged enough, right? Yeah. Though, to speaking of the durability of Brie Larson, I do have one very... It's a, it's a bit of a sci-fi nitpick, uh, sort of like, oh, that's not how it would work, but it drove me nuts. At the end of the film, when he scoops... She's drowning. Kong scoops her up, holds her in his fist, and then uses that fist to fist fight a dinosaur <laughs> including like like here i was saying about him like if if you were to take a uh, shelled peanut put it in your palm and then fight a dog <laughs> including shoving your fist down the dog's neck to rip out its esophagus don't tell me you haven't cracked the shell of that peanut and she comes out like not a hair out of place and i'm like she should have died she i i'm one of my big fixes big changes big whatever's Brie Larson's character should have died. I don't think she should have died, but she should have probably been saved in a less contrived and yeah. bizarre way. You're listening to I Have Some Notes. You're going to crack that peanut. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that totally derailed me. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, it, when I'm like, saw I was in her, she's, she's in his hand, and then he's like... And she's like, not squeezed to jelly. And she's not squeezed to pudding. I'm like, that... What? And then and I'm like, I'll, I'm like, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'll let it. Okay, suspension of disbeliefs. And then he shoves his hand down the dinosaur's throat and pulls out its guts. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way <laughs> she made it out of the gut of the dinosaur. Like, as as I think about the conflict between Tom Hiddleston and Samuel Jackson's characters uh, in the plot, and I and I slot in Brie Larson in that role. I think it it creates an interesting 
if slightly sexist dynamic because it gives it gives Samuel L. Jackson more reason to discount party A if they're being led by Brie Larson. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, it's just him butting head. It's just like two big dogs barking at each other with yeah. him and Tom Hiddleston. But in this case, like he has even more reason to dismiss Brie Larson because she's a woman and she's not a soldier. Yeah, And she, as he even says at the beginning, you can even don't even need to necessarily play into the woman thing. She is the reason they're not loved at home. He says that at the beginning. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She's an anti-war yeah. photographer. That's also true. So, like, and of course, she's going to be a bleeding heart who loves the monkey. Exactly. So it gives him more motivation to discount party A and its opinion on the matter, which also kind of works. So I, ah, no, you've sold me. Yep. You've sold me on cutting Tom Hiddleston as much as it <laughs> pains me. So we, we that cut, works. We cut Tom Hiddleston to make uh, room for more, uh, um, more Brie, more Brie, and then perhaps our trifecta, as you were saying, becomes Brie Larson, uh, 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 John Goodman, yeah, Sam Jackson. John, and, John, and John Goodman John goes to John goes to goes to the camp with John C. Riley, kind of thing. Does yeah. that still something we want? I like that too. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. John Goodman should so have that been softened he can to it. so that he can soften a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and also be set up against. Packard, who's yeah. who's very much our antagonist. In this. Yeah, I I uh, I'm I I think I'm uh, gonna die on the hill of uh, we don't need him to take them wildly. Of course, I'll, I'll let yeah. that go. But <laughs> and Mark I, Evan Jackson still gets stepped on by a giant. Monkey. Yeah, sure. Poor bastard. Uh, yeah. As I don't know who that is, I'm. He was he was <laughs> totally the, fine. He was the other scientist guy with the blue coat who went with. Sam oh Jackson's right 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 yeah. right the guy from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, yeah. that is Mark Evan Jackson. Yes. Yeah. And uh, uh, The Good Place. George Good Place? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's so very good, good in The Good Place. It's coming back soon. <laughs> what yeah. did our listeners have to say? Yeah, our listeners definitely had some comments. Uh, if you want to get in on the listeners' comments yourself for future episodes, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. We'll let you know what movie we're going to be doing next, and you can get your notes read on this show just like these people have. Uh, our own uh, Colin McIntyre uh, has chimed in, of course, uh, with his thoughts on Kong Skull Island. Colin says, I think it's unfair that Godzilla gets atomic breath, but Kong doesn't get anything cool. All caps, bring on the Kong laser eyes. First of all, King Kong knows how to use tools and Godzilla doesn't. Mm-hmm. Second of all, Colin, if you wanted to comment on movies on this podcast, <laughs> you had your chance. Yes. <laughs> And you decided to move on. <laughs> and now you're just sliding into the comments like you never left. <laughs> was was something about laser eyes from Congo? Oh, no, laser monkeys from Congo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, the, yeah, she... Yeah, laser eyes. Yeah, or, or, or give, give Kong a laser gun. Like, Godzilla's not going to hit King Kong with a building. But yeah. King Kong might hit Godzilla with a building. Yeah. I did like when Kong... Uh, I don't know why, but he he pulls up the tree and then he like pulls off all the bristles as if that's like matters. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't want to get thistles in his eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, at Takaran Golem says, uh, spend more time with the two camps suffering different crazy monsters and focus developing the main characters. Make Packard more reasonable at the start so the constant dangers can slowly awaken his inner monster. We uh, we kind of flirted with that, but I think we ultimately came down on the side of Packard needs to be kind of a hardliner. He's there to find a new. He's there to find a war he can win. Yeah, and that's kind of his motivation from jump. And I'm I'm down with that. That's an interesting motivation. I I think I take his point that like sometimes when it when a character is uh, is almost completely unreasonable it can take you out of the movie a little bit so and he does kind of broach that in this movie where he, where he's where he at no point he he sees any particular amount of reason um i think i think it's less Packard's motivation is consistent through the movie. Oh, yeah. I think people's views on his yes. motivation need to be what changed. That was more my problem. And and whereas like everyone's kind of on board with him at first, like, yes, you're making sense. The further they get, the more information they get armed with, the more they suffer attrition, the more and the more he does not waver from his conviction, mm-hmm. the more they need to go. Oh, he's actually crazy. Yeah. So I think it's less that he needs to harden so much as everyone else. Uh, the trajectory still works if he just never changes. Yeah. And everyone realizes 
that he's being unreasonable. That yeah. he's more and more unreasonable right. the further they yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you see it a little bit more in the soldiers and things yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Tyler says, I actually really love this movie. Most of the action is pretty solid and gritty for a PG-13. Removing a couple of things could improve it. Get rid of the natives. They add... Uh, they add... They, so it says they add any importance to the story, but I, I think it's meant to say they don't add any importance to the story, and they could have found John C. Riley by himself, shave some time by getting rid of the pointless Toby Kebbell subplot. Uh, is It's possible to have a movie take place around Vietnam and not play CCR's entire catalog. <laughs> uh, I heard that from a couple other uh, like reviews and things I read. Yeah. Um, which is uh, fair. Lastly, the anchor being used as a mace flail by Kong's tree bat was kind of lame. Disagree. Hard disagree. Uh, Kong using that, uh, it was a propeller, propeller. first of all, uh, on the end of a chain, was amazing. And is what gives him an edge over Godzilla. Yeah. Because Kong is smart enough to use tools. <laughs> and Godzilla merely has atomic breath. Yes. Seriously, though, Godzilla should win that. But. <laughs> I, even, I even liked when Kong fell back into a bunch of military, like, broken human stuff, and is literally chained down and can't get up. I'm like, oh, the, like... Yeah, that's the, a good the, reference. The human... Yeah. In, the human you know, uh, uh, factor is is literally holding him back. And it's also a bit of an allusion to the original King Kong, him being chained up. Chained up by humans, absolutely. Um, Also, I think we we made a good argument for keeping the natives, that they do serve a purpose in the plot. You did, yeah. Yeah, I was the one who was stupidly trying to cut them. Uh, Evan McDonald uh, says, uh, you have my sympathies. Uh, The glaring fix... Uh, is to streamline the number of characters. It's impossible to be emotionally attached to anyone's arc. Well, uh, we kind of did that. We yeah. did cut poor Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Liam also made the argument for having kind of broad characters kind of works in a movie like this. Or groups. Like, the thing is, is everyone's like, oh, what's this one character's motivation? And it's like, well, you group up the three soldiers under Packard. You can have pockets of groups of people, and then you get people from this philosophical group mixed in with this group philosophical group and yeah you know you can yeah. have broader characters by having them sort of be more group minded also yeah. i just i just find the way humans interact with each other in times of crisis to be very interesting and i think you get the opportunity for more not only more of that with a bigger cast but also more people get to get you know mutilated yeah you gotta around. you gotta have eight fodder you just yeah. gotta uh, Andrew Craig uh, says, I thought the tone of this movie was all over the place. The humor felt forced and out of place because it was so dour for so much of it. The biggest sin for me is that it's King Kong and it somehow managed to be really forgettable. Well, there were parts of it that jumped out at me. Yeah. Uh, I also am curious what humor felt forced because there was I didn't find a lot of humor in this movie. I, yeah. I don't know what humor. <laughs> I guess maybe, I mean, there's some John C. Riley's humor, um, but I think he kind of nails it. Yeah, because he's John C. Riley and he's just really adept at it. Well, and I mean the character—it works for the character too because he's someone who's—he's been trapped on this island for twenty years with some very dour people. Yeah, uh, and his good buddy who was trying to kill him when they first met uh, has died, and these are the first people back on the island, and he's—he's he's feeling awkward and he's uh, feeling. Uh, uh, alienated and he's kind of trying to use his humor as a coping mechanism in that circumstance yeah. and there's some pathos to it which mm-hmm. I think is it it really worked for me in this yeah. film there was a there was one moment with John C. Riley where he, he um, they were gearing up and it was like their gearing up scene with the was it with the boat yeah. or something like that and for some reason he was uh, he was with um, one of the the side characters and he just started telling him like something to the effect of like I'm going to touch your eyeballs or rip yeah. your eyeballs out and, and like that felt a little weird. It felt weird and then it never got addressed yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. because so, that scientist got ripped apart by pterodactyls. Yeah, so maybe that's what Andrew is talking about. Yeah. I also found with his first him showing up and being like whoa 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 guns down. I was like, oh, that could have been they could have revealed him in a much more fun or less stupid way, but it, it, it's a little mm-hmm. nitpicky and maybe late for that in the podcast, but I just like it's like guns up, swords up. He comes in and is like, everybody calm down. I got exposition. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I, oh. You know. I would have liked for him to feel a little bit more surprised at yeah, their presence. Yeah. Exactly. I think that would have been fun too. Nathan Martin says, this movie was really fun, but there are way too many characters that were introduced that are just ape just, fodder. Just mm-hmm. ape fodder. <laughs> uh, the movie is called Kong, so we do know we're getting a giant ape. I think they should have got to the ape quicker 
and uh, not care so much about background characters. That they got to allow- them in the first got- 30 seconds. I, I commented, they get there 20 minutes. Yeah, no, I sorry, Nathan. Mid-tweet, I got to go ahead and disagree. Uh, background characters that would allow for the main characters uh, to maybe have an arc of some kind. The Rock is perfect. I don't see how the nice Kong is going to battle the nice Godzilla. Well, I well, mean, that's a good point. I no, guess. it's it's a, it's the classic superhero team. Okay, the way that movie is going to go down is King Kong is going to get pitted against Godzilla, possibly due to the machinations of bad people. A bigger threat, Gamera is going to come out of the sky, making a big stink, and Kong and Godzilla are going to like. We have to stop fighting now and fight this bigger threat to the Earth, and then they're both going to be friends at the end of the movie. It's the classic superhero <laughs> my movie. Name, you, my mom's name was Martha. Also, yeah. did you suggest that they that an alternate IP come and fight Kong and and Godzilla? The Gamera? Gamera? Isn't that, is he a part of the Godzilla universe? Pretty sure. I yeah. I, I thought he was like his own Godzilla. That was a Harryhausen like, creation. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's all kaiju to me. Yeah. It's all the, kaiju. the point is like King King Ghidorah could show back up, and yeah. they just need to be like, oh, the three headed dragon's back. We need to fight that thing. And Mothra's I don't know gone. So let's deal yeah. with this. And then Kong and Godzilla will team up. That's yeah. especially because if either one of them wins that fight, you're going to have angry fanboys burning down your house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because the Godzilla fan uh, fans are going to be like, there's no way King Kong should have won that fight. And the King Kong stands are going to be like, there's no way Godzilla should have won that fight. <laughs> so you just, you have them team up and fight the bigger scope <laughs> villain. That's what happens. Calm down, Nathan Mark. <laughs> Calm down. We got this. Perhaps they fight the rock. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How could they? He's perfect. Uh, he's also not in this movie. He's in Rampage, a different giant monster movie yeah. with a giant ape. Yeah, we yeah. should probably do that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll find out how truly perfect The Rock is. Indeed. Uh, well, that was all of our listener comments. Again, if you want to get in on the note, having follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll let you know what movie's coming out, and you can get uh, what we're going to be doing next, and you can get your notes right on the show, just like these fine folks have. So I think we've uh, uh, navigated this uh, dangerous island of uh, treacherous plot points and character motivations. Yeah, I um, think so. Much like the ground, this movie might have been a little hollow. <laughs> <laughs> we've dropped our note I, bombs all over it. And, I appreciated uh, that more than, more than Scott did. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well then, uh, we'll uh, call that an edition of I Have Some Notes uh, for this two-week period. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider uh, rating us and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help us out. You can find all of our episodes on the CKUA radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Uh, remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts over at the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. We will post new episodes every second week, so tune in a few weeks from now. We will uh, have yet to determine the movie. I'm sure whatever we pick will be taken off Netflix, uh, not but 24 hours later. Uh, so uh, stick around for that uh, as we scramble to, to get it from the you know, library or PlayStation. But that, is, uh, that has been our show for the week. My name is Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies. We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If you got in a car accident or like having trouble breathing, yeah. I would go to emergency if I had a really bad hockey skate cut on the neck. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt. If you have an emergency or if you're not sure, we're here to help. Know your options. Call HealthLink at 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options.